so I thought it might be fun because of the current uh, situation going on with the whole World Cup. Ever heard of it? <laughs> if like we broke these hirelings up into like different groups, and then they like qualified to get out of their group to see oh. which one's like the greatest hireling of all time. You oh, know? it's like a like a tournament bracket kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, on this episode where we're only talking about the first four hirelings, we have to choose one of them to go forward, uh, in, into the final episode. Just one? Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cause, uh, there's going to be these four, then there's going to be the river folk three, the marauder or the underworld three and the marauders three. And so the we'll river have... folk three sound like defendants at a landmark trial. <laughs> <laughs> All rise for the river folk three. <laughs> well, now they're <laughs> now they're like adjudicators. Who are these guys? Well, it's they like just, counsel. The thing about root court is that everyone rises for everybody's <laughs> entrance all the time. It's a lot of bureaucracy. It was founded by the birds. Everybody honors and respects everyone else. That's part of the deal of root court. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, that's what. Also, anyone can object at any point. (laughs) (laughs) Trials tend to take three to four years to complete. Yeah. So, is this bracket A or is this bracket? Do we have a Do we have a fancy name for it? This is Group A. Okay. (laughs) Group A. Okay. All right. So today, in our group that we're discussing, we are only discussing the demoted hirelings. The promoted side of these hirelings, we will be discussing on the next episode. Um, so today we are just talking about the feline physicians, the bluebird nobles, rabbit scouts, and the brigand. And who knows, you know, we could have some surprising upsets, you know. You can't just let Saudi Arabia score two goals on you. What is going on? I would be impressed if the finals were Riverfolk, Cats, Vagabond, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> The demoted side of Saudi Arabia is still pretty good, too, if you look at it. The oil monger. (laughs) So we're talking about this first grouping of hirelings. Before we actually get into each of these, let's maybe, like, remember exactly how they get placed into the game, right? We don't have to go through all the very minimal steps, but, like, in advanced setup, uh, all of the hirelings are first chosen or uh, randomly selected before even the factions come out right right yeah i i kind of i kind of shuffle them under the table and then deal out two and then i flip them over to the promoted side and deal out one more and in all games it's three hirelings but in a three player game it's only one demoted side or something that's right, right yeah okay two promoted one demoted in a four player game it's gonna be one promoted two demoted five player game you could just do three demoted it's going to be a crowded woodland with five-player game oh, and three yeah. hirelings. Yeah. So this is after we've chosen a deck. It's after we've set up the map. Uh, it's after landmarks, right? Mm-hmm. It is after landmarks, yeah. The set-up hireling step. Hilariously, the uh, what you described, Sam, of like shuffling it under the table, like dealing a couple out, and then you know f- flipping as many as need be to their proper side. Mm-hmm. Uh, the title for this step in the Law of Root is just Demote. <laughs> Which to me is giving me real like turmoil vibes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Humiliate. Um, so then it's time to set up. So you start with the last player in turn order and then going counterclockwise. Is that the only time they've referred to which direction the turn flows? Because I feel like 
That's a very specific. Anyway, it's all an advanced setup. There's a lot of like choose this, then go counterclockwise. Yeah, you're right. But so, Root is a clockwise game. But is it a wise clock game? <laughs> well, if you look, you can join you the hear, debate. If, yeah, join the the spirited debate on the Woodland War Machine Discord channel. So you're going to be setting up each of these hirelings before you do any faction setup, which I think is kind of an interesting thing. And we're going to run into some of these hirelings today that actually do have a strong board presence. It's it's kind of fascinating to me that, like for example, the last dynasty gets set up before any factions are on the board. So you already know a little oh, bit, yeah. like, <laughs> where's a safe place to be, right? Far away from that hireling. Mm-hmm. It's something I've forgotten to do in multiple games. And then uh, somebody gets the birds and we're like, oh, I guess you just place them. And then they're like, okay, I place them far away from me and right in the middle of everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> that like, was that, That's a big, like, starting consequence, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be near those birds. <laughs> No, no we'll, we'll hear my feelings on them, but I'm scared of those birds. You have such control over that as the last player, first player, mm-hmm. last player, last player. And then you're going to be first to set up and choose. Yeah. <laughs> Is seat four the best seat? Ooh, I I mean, it's got In a lot advanced of control. setup. If you're playing with all the bells and whistles, is seat four the place to be? I think so. I think it really depends on the matchup of factions because, like, what if, what do you, I don't know. Who has the most control over who they get in the matchup? C4. You do, yeah, yeah. The one thing you've got going against you is that you take your turn fourth. I think in situations where there are, like, definitely factions where they're aware of each other, like Vagabond and Rats, where they're competing for items or something like that. That's one where there might be a varied choice on like, okay, well, if I choose this, then I know this is still in the pool. I still think four is, but yeah, I think four is the best, Uh, especially now. Well, yeah, it does depend on the faction. I was remembering that trick you can do where if the river folk get chosen before the crows, right? The river folk can set up their otter ball in one clearing, and then the crows can go there and put an initial plot of a bomb, and then on their first turn, flip it over and blow up all the otters. <laughs> um, it's pretty mean. But... Super mean, yeah. Instantly unbalancing the whole woodland. <laughs> hey, but now it's a fire sale. You know what I mean? Like everyone's gonna be buying from those river folk now that they're not on the board. Um, it's the best thing that ever happened to them. Uh, so yeah, so that's how we we set up them according to their setup instructions. So that's going to vary depending on if they're promoted and which ones we're dealing with, obviously. But just like kind of like playing with hirelings, there's going to be little uh, tokens on the score marker track at 4, 8, and 12 points. Yeah, they kind of cover up that slot on the score track. And if you're the first player to, to go past that or hit that... Uh, you'll take that token, and then at the end of your turn, you get to choose a hireling. It's kind of like you unlock them one at a time as players make their way up the scoreboard. So it could kind of influence your strategy of, like, rushing points if you're the cats or something. Right. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this. Like, is it a smart idea to rush for hirelings? And it really depends. And what I mean by rushing is, like, if you're, like, the Woodland Alliance, and you can craft a T for two points or put it in your, what's it called? Supporters in a normal game. It, the conventional wisdom is actually that thing's going to get you more points down the road. If you put it through supporters, right? Yeah. 
And maybe we don't want the tea on the market so early in the game. Right, yeah, for a vagabond or, yeah, stuff like that, yeah. But if you're like, oh, I could also get this ability or I could, more importantly, prevent someone else from choosing where this ability lies, you know, maybe it's worth it to rush for points. Yeah. Um, what's another example of uh, an option where usually a faction might not want to put the pedal to the metal, but might uh, have the opportunity if this hireling is around? If, for example, if uh, the duchy is considering placing a building so that they can craft, right. I think that's like a pretty big risk, but it's a calculated risk if it means you get a hireling that gives you an important ability um, right. early in the game. And as we'll see, we, we kind of talk about this specifically hireling by hireling. Some of them are really worth rushing for. Yeah. And others, you can you can chill. Yeah. <laughs> they can hang out. I feel like I lost a game to a Corvids player who rushed to get hirelings and got a bunch of points out in the outset. I'm pretty sure it was you, Kyle. Yes. I think I think that's what I'm, happened for sure. <laughs> I'm going to be real. In most of my games with hirelings, one person unlocks all three of them. Is that what you... You didn't do that, though, did you? You got two of them, right? I think Kyle got, got all three? three. I think I got all three. Yeah, yeah. I, I went for like a massive points rush yeah. in the beginning just to grab those hirelings. And like, I think it really worked out for you. It was also like the combo of uh, you. I think you said this in a previous episode was like you wanted to just get ahead because you you wanted to just be a problem we had to solve because you were worried about getting hamstrung if you weren't dominant in the beginning. And it really worked out for you. Yeah, I, the whole I, I went in guns blazing from turn one because the, the strategy was just rush. Yeah, as fast as possible to get as mu- like grab a big stash of points in the early game before people like really can reach out and punch, and then just like try and scrap together a few points at the end. I think there was a turn where I, sc- I scored zero points. I think there it was like there was that turn, and then there was a turn where you got like two. Like you yeah. really did plateau for a couple turns there. But I will say, having access to the hirelings uh, gave me more options for how to kind of wriggle out of that mid-game stall, which was pretty interesting. It was cool. Because you're not only getting those abilities and in some cases placing pieces and infrastructure on the board for those hirelings, but you're also the person who gets to choose who gets to do what with those hirelings next, at least. Yeah, you kind of control where the initiative goes after you've had it. Right. And I mean, like... (laughs) I always want that to be a more interesting choice, but it's almost always like, who's in last place? Um, yeah, here's this ability. <laughs> um, yeah. But as we'll see, some of these have some uh, very fun interactions with certain factions. So hopefully you can kind of think a little further than who's furthest back on the score track and maybe think about uh, how these powers might combo with their faction or crafted improvements or other things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Sam, would you say that... Um... This is sort of the catch-up mechanic of Root? You know, that's what, the, you know, I think that was initially, and we play-tested the hirelings, Kyle, and I think it used to be a little bit more geared towards that. Yeah. You got a lot of, like, it used to be there was, like, control markers. I guess they're still called control markers, but you used to get a bunch of them and if you were behind in points, and it really, we played a, a 1v1 tournament with the prototype hirelings. Mm, yeah. And it really incentivizes sandbagging and then getting all the hirelings and then doing a bunch of stuff with it. Right. And yeah, kind of morphing into the like mecha faction, like sprouting <laughs> yeah. a bunch of like improvements and, you know, going after the, the woodland like a... <laughs> 
I don't know what this image is like. Power Rangers or, or like a bunch yeah, of yeah. mini factions glommed together to make like a scary super one. A Mechazorg or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I didn't, I didn't watch Power Rangers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I didn't love that iteration of the Hirelings. I think the, the current one makes a lot more sense. Uh, it does, I think the... Because when you rush for the Hirelings, the maximum amount of turns you will be able to hold on to them if you're in the lead is two. Yep. I'm actually going to check my copy to see the odds of that one sec. I mean, while you're checking those odds, I will say two turns in a game that's, what have we been saying, like between seven and seven, nine? Eight. Yeah, like yeah. that's a quarter of the game. And if you're getting it early, and actually no one's getting it on the first turn, right? Well, I mean, no one's getting them all in the first turn. <laughs> no one's getting them all in the first turn. Yeah, that's sure. what I mean. So, like, uh, only some of them are getting unlocked quick. Could you get two on the first turn? I guess that's, like, maybe this week's challenge. Magic Christmas Land. Yeah, if you can get two on your first turn. Two on the first turn. would be amazing. That would require you scoring eight points on your first turn. I mean, that seems, like, achievable. For who? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right? Eight points on your eight? first turn. Um... Probably not the Keepers. Actually, the Keepers could do it, I think. Yeah, okay, the Keepers, I was wondering. But do, they, do they have the cards to do it? Well, they'd have to craft They'd have to craft coins, I think, in order to do it. And then they'd have to battle, like, two pieces of cardboard or something crazy. Not impossible. And then it would have to... I mean, they would have to sacrifice their whole retinue to do it, I think. But I think they could. Oh, because they'd have to lose the... Uh, okay, <laughs> from here's the, the turn. Here's the yeah. turn. There's one relic nearby in a forest. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you encamp twice in two rabbit clearings. Two rabbit clearings that are adjacent <laughs> to each other. You're starting clearings. Okay. You can recruit. You can do whatever. You have to at least craft coins using those two rabbit crafters. All right. Mm-hmm. That's three points. Okay. Then battle then delve. There has to be like two points of cardboard in your clearing in one of those rabbit clearings Okay, <laughs> that you take out. During this battle and delve. I don't even think you can move because it has to go into the clearing where you can recover. Did you say it has relic. to be two points of cardboard? Two points of cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose if you went forth, like, they, that cardboard could be brought to you. Yeah, if the cats build a sawmill and something else and then abandon it. Okay, but if you somehow get two points of cardboard, this requires some help from the table, I think. Okay, then you delve that relic into the clearing... Oh, it has to be a three relic as well. Couldn't be a one or a two. It has to be a three. Um, at that point, you probably have to get rid of your Battle Then Delve um, retainer, but maybe not. Uh, then move and recover. You would just recover that relic immediately. You'd probably end up sacrificing uh, Battle and Delve and move and recover retainers in the process, but that would let you hit eight points. And I guess, depending on the hireling you take control of, that could help you gain points as well, maybe. But you gain it at the end of your turn. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there you go. See this if you can get two hirelings in the first turn. Oh, yeah. that's easy. All right. Y- y'all y'all were doing the wrong thing with the badgers here. Arbiter. Uh-huh. Okay. The Arbiter Vagabond uh-huh. slips into a clearing, explores the ruin, gets a third sword. That clearing has... So that's one point. Uh, that clearing has three moles and two buildings. And you just battle eight points. Wow, that, that was way easier. <laughs> Challenge rescinded. 
No, no, no. It's still somebody has to do it. Somebody has see... to do it. And here's the thing. Now you can't do it on Root Digital, all right? You're going to have to get together with people in real life or on Tabletop Simulator, and you're going to have to get two hirelings on the first turn. That's the new challenge. Challenge for this Love episode. It. All right, I am back with so much information. So the I think odd... you can do it with the cats as well. Okay, talk me through it. You would need a bird card. Okay. And you would need uh, probably to craft like an anvil or a tea or something. Mm-hmm. Craft an anvil or tea, two points. Build overwork, build for two more points. Mm-hmm. And then One spend a bird action. card to yeah. battle. Uh, you'd have to pick up four points, so that seems impossible. <laughs> yeah, cats, it's going to be hard. Okay, never mind. Can't All do right. it. All right. Unlikely, uh, at least. You would only have two <laughs> bird cards to spend, and like, can you get four points from two battles? Right. Okay, Tinker, okay, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, explores the first ruin. That's one point. They discover a hammer. Right. Oh, no, but then they have to craft the other hammer. Somebody else has crafted a hammer. Okay. Okay, so then you aid for that hammer, and then you favor. Yeah. <laughs> you're right yeah yeah turn one favor at that point it doesn't matter if you get the higher links you know I mean, I mean, it's like... gonna be the least effective favor you really need things but that's to be the in the season right three challenge is favor in your first turn <laughs> okay that's the overarching one yeah okay, you gotta yeah, get yeah. pretty uh pretty fortunate for that i think yeah and good luck getting those that many people to play base deck all right here we go oh if the river folk company gets okay. enough payments yeah oh yeah before their turn yeah. then they can drop trade posts for points and then just drop trade posts that's like it yeah okay you, so the river folk could do it yeah river folk i mean people can let the river folk do it yeah could they get 12 yeah they could get 12 they start with three. If three people buy cards at three, then they got it. Ah, uh, that's a good point. I mean, point. it would hard. It'd be hard to imagine that people would have that many clearings. Also, they need to be in multiples of two. Actually, price is set to four. Each faction <laughs> buys riverboats at four or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but then they also each need to rule two clearings. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be hard on turn one. Uh, okay, so I'm back with some information about the odds of being the leader and holding a hireling for two turns. Oh, okay. And the odds are 50-50. Oh, that's better than I thought it would be. That's much better than I thought. I thought it was one out of six, but it is three out of six. Wow. Which is also your odds of having uh, it for two turns if you're not the leader. It's just that the other 50% is better than two. Did oh. we describe the die yet? So when you <laughs> <laughs> when you take control of a hireling, which happens at the end of your turn. Yeah, let's say that you get uh, four points. A very modest challenge compared to eight or 12. You get four <laughs> points on your first turn. You're yeah. rocking. You're rolling. Yeah, at yeah. the end of your turn, you are going to take control of one of these hirelings. Now... If you are the first one to cross that threshold, it's up to you to pick, right? You can pick what any of the three that are right. um, available, demoted or promoted. And as soon as you take control of one of those hirelings, you're going to roll this special die. Sam, how would you describe what's on this die? It's like kind of little diamond-looking things. Yeah, diamond pips. They come in shiny gold and matte orange <laughs> pips. <laughs> 
Is it more orange red or red orange? I, it's a perfect orange red. Perfect orange red here. Yeah. On a brown dye. <laughs> Ooh, that's a nice sound. <laughs> it's got a good wood panel finish. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looks like a 70s basement. Uh, and uh, on three of the sides, uh, there are two pips, one gold, one matte orange. Okay. And then on two of the sides, there are two gold pips and one matte orange pip. And then on one side, there are four pips, two gold, two matte orange. Wow. So if you're in the lead, you're only taking one color, right? The gold, yeah. Yeah. If you are currently the leader in points, which you will be if you're the first one to cross you know, one of these thresholds, um, then you are going to roll that die and take control of this uh, hireling faction for... As many gold pips as you see. So mm-hmm. either one or two. Um, what's the most amount of pips that you could potentially get as a player? Uh, four. If you are not the leader and you roll on the one out of six side, that's a four. Yeah. Wow, that's a cool like, four turns. half the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're good. You can start to make long-term plans if you roll that four. Yeah, I've just these are so my many... hirelings now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've just buds. had it so many times where you roll it and you get a two and you're like, um, okay, well, I'm not going to, like, because a lot of the hirelings are, like, do something awesome or set Charge up, up for something awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm always, like, I don't even want to set it up because I'm just going to have to give this when it's its most powerful, you know? Absolutely. So if you're only going to have it for two turns, like, is it still good to get it first? I think that really depends on the hireling. If it is creating board presence... That's obviously going to be super important for the rats, uh, for the cats, anyone who's like has to build or rule clearings, badgers, you know, all these uh, factions really might have a strong preference on where extra meeples go on the board. So that might be something that you consider. But some of the more passive abilities, maybe it doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Which is why if you're going to rush, it's important to choose wisely when you get there. Yeah. Any, anything else about how to set these guys up, or should we just dive into the cards? Yeah, one last bit about hirelings that I think is important to remember is that they contribute to rule, okay? If they are, if they are your hireling, they will contribute to your rule. They are not your faction pieces, but they do contribute to your faction's rule of a clearing. And that's notably the only thing they contribute to, right? You, none of your faction abilities trigger when they do things. Nothing else right. that, it, that counts as your things. It's just that they contribute to your rule. Right, right. No uh, crafted improvements or anything like that. You can't play an ambush on behalf of your hireling. None of that. But it is important to know that. Also, they contribute to rule if no one has control of them. They just... Right, so they would have their own rule, right, essentially. Right, they rule a clearing. They are uh, contending for rule in a clearing. So if you're, yeah. the, you know, if you're the rats, they are an enemy piece if they are not controlled. If they are just an enemy piece for someone else and are blocking the ability to rule a clearing because they have more numbers there. I mean, so uh, it's important to keep those things in mind when we're deciding should we rush for things and evaluating how good each of these hirelings are. Yeah, I like that they exist in the ecosystem before the players set up. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of fun. Uh, before they set up their factions. 
um, to be specific. Yeah, this is... Hygerlings just add such an interesting twist and add just a little bit more kind of density and complexity in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's spicy. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into this. Uh, first, we're going to do all the demoted sides, and then we'll get to all the promoted sides. So let's start with feline physicians. Jake? The feline physicians have an ability. That ability is for its controller. Whenever any of your faction warriors are removed, you may spend a card matching their clearing to place those warriors in a clearing with your faction pieces instead of your supply. Parentheses, like field hospitals. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's awesome. You got field hospitals. And and it goes anywhere with your faction pieces. You don't have to put it in the key. That's there the is no real, key for you, you know? That's the real highlight here, I think, is that it's not um, limited in terms of where you can place that warrior. It's actually pretty liberal, right? Anywhere where you have pieces can suddenly regenerate warriors at, for the price of a single card, which, I mean, come on, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that could be considered just like a tactical redeployment. Absolutely, right. right. You yeah. could you could even put them like further into enemy territory after they die close to home. Like you can just teleport them around to reposition them anywhere that you need them, even to the same clearing where they were just battled. This is so good for crows. I'm just realizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually have some quotes here. Who is this good for? Uh, the Corvids, I think, is a, a really great example. And and just to give us the like TLDR of why this is great for the Corvids, I think it's mainly good for one reason, and that's plotting. Right. Because field hospitals for the cats is in reference to battles, but this can be whenever a warrior is removed. Correct. Right? Yeah. It also yeah. says any clearing you have faction pieces, which means if you have a clearing with just a plot token and it can't be flipped... If you get attacked, you could spend a card to put those crows on a plot that you could then flip on your turn. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's the only time the crows can, like, surprise you from when they ended their turn. (laughs) Right, right? yeah. They have a new potential flip. Yeah, that almost never happens unless somebody false orders the crows into a place where they can flip. (laughs) You know, like, that's never going to happen. Well, that'd be a big whoopsie. Uh, (laughs) I, so here's my question, though, about this, is when crows plot, they remove warriors and then place a plot token. Whoa. So Whoa. my question is, could you just plot and then immediately have the same crow or crows back to, like, guard that plot? I'm, I just want to make sure, that, like, the timing window works, because you remove the crows. I guess that's the point that you would activate feline physicians, and mm-hmm. so there wouldn't yet be a plot down to, like... It- is it remove and place in one sentence? Ooh. It is remove and then place, for specifically for plotting. God dang it. So and then is always another step, right? Yeah, hold yeah. On, then is on. then acts as a period. For, for those of you that aren't rules lawyers, the semantics of this is important because it determines what's uh, doable here. And if a sentence ends or if there's a then, it means the step before it must be complete before this step can happen. Therefore... If there's no faction piece there, right? It's remove. It oh, it, this is just like so, worded so specifically, and I don't quite understand. So here it is: plot remove a corvid warrior plus another corvid warrior per plot that you have placed this turn from a clearing with no plot tokens to place a face down plot token there. Okay, so it's two. just so two it's place. one. 
It is, yeah. It's one thing. I don't know. It doesn't say replace. It does not say replace. So? Well, replace but, is one action. But it says two place, right? The, oh. The fact that it says two place, though, it could imply that these are simultaneous. And simultaneous effects, you can resolve in whichever order, uh, according to the golden rules. Whenever it's unclear what order simultaneous effects should resolve in, or which player should make a decision, the player taking their turn chooses. I don't know if it's simultaneous, though. Hard to know. Um, Speaking of Discord, though, I went over to Discord for this specific interaction and just searched Corvid's feline physicians, and I got some great quotes. First, Nebuchadnezzar. Just wait till you try Corvid's plus feline physicians. (laughs) Got Garrick. I will say, the two games I've played where Corvid's had feline physicians were among the best games of Root that I've played. Yeah. Another quote from Garrick. Just wait till y'all play Corvid's with feline physicians. (laughs) (laughs) Then you'll be scared. (laughs) I mean, it's good either way, right? If you can plot and then just put those crows elsewhere... Yeah, even You're to still another saving the crows. Another plot token that you created that turn right. can suddenly become guarded. Like right. It's, it's That's super crazy. great. And one last one from Garrett, because they, they keep escalating, which is super fun. Don't underestimate the insanity that is Corvids with feline physicians. <laughs> uh just got word back on feline physicians and Corvids. Uh three people responded that it seems like it's a good it's a go. You can remove those okay. warriors. Plot, discard a card to put those warriors right there. All in one action. Yeah. Uh, They were citing the same thing of, like, unclear resolutions. You get to choose the order of things. Yeah. yeah, Okay. So there is no... Is there a global rule in in Root about completing actions that are... uh, (laughs) It's indicative to the language? I might cut this. I'm just questioning. Yes, it's tattooed on Kyle's body. I know. You must... Okay. Go ahead and say it. Um. What is uh, this one? This specific one is not tattooed on my body. The one that's on me, in I, my my imagination, is uh, do as much as possible. Yeah, I think it's great. R- right, but the the thing is, is do as much as possible can only apply like sentences stop. Like you have to complete an action before you can complete the next one. Right, you have to follow through with a step before you can start the next step. Generally yes. speaking, right, Kyle? Absolutely. And occasionally, it's unclear what should come first or if things are happening simultaneously and in what's unclear sorry so but but periods are very clear and then then is very clear and replace is clear because it's all one action right right exactly but for corvid conspiracy plotting specifically it's do the thing to place a face down plot token there where there's not a then and it's not a replace so the right the moment the thing's could be claimed to be happening simultaneously. And in that instance, it's actually up to the active player to choose in what order those events unfold. So mm. actually, yeah, you could just place the plot and then remove that warrior kind of in the same timing window and then activate feline physicians kind of like once those two things have taken place. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. I just didn't know if there was like a global rule for how it applies across all of root wording. But it sounds let's like... read it. Unclear. This is one point one point three. Unclear resolutions and choices. Oh my god, they have that! Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. 
This is the third it's rule. The greatest the third rule of board the... game of all time. It's so <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Whenever it is unclear what order simultaneous effects should resolve in, or which player should make a decision, the player taking the turn chooses. Great. Nice. Cool. Thank you. Great example. Thank you uh, to all of our friends on Discord helping us out in a pinch. Check out Woodland Warriors. They got it going on. Yeah. One big shout out to Coco, Lost Brit, and Coco. <laughs> Realizing that it was two two people. Uh, also named two people named Coco. No, no. Actually, oh no, they just changed their profile picture. No, they're the same. All right, so yeah, really good for crows. Either way, uh, what else? Who else is this uh, ability good for? Um, in my mind, I think this is also great for the Woodland Alliance for kind of similar reasons. Uh, their organized action uh, removes a warrior from the board in order to place a sympathy token. And you could easily just take that warrior and put it like back on a base to guard the base. Or mm-hmm. you could place it in a critical juncture to kind of protect um, a key kind of intersection where your sympathy is. Mm-hmm. Um, it just lets you kind of move stuff around. You can afford to like uh, run one warrior like pretty far away and then teleport them back to base, which is kind of fun. I mean, it's okay. It's going to cost a card, so yeah. you might not have any cards left by that point, but I think it's okay. In my mind, this card really shines when its controller uses its ability to reach out and kind of interrupt or uh, kind of punch another faction. Mm-hmm. Because it means that you can kind of get yourself out of position a little bit for a battle. And kind of any losses that you incur, you can kind of reposition to keep your your kind of setup stable. So I, I think this is great for enabling kind of factions with smaller warrior pools to go on the offensive and kind of like take that initiative on the board. So I, in my mind, I think this is actually great for like the river folk who really hate losing their warriors. Mm-hmm. And I think this is great for the badgers as well um, because they like to rule clearings and they like to kind of have their warriors kind of apportioned very specifically. Yeah, it's really good for badgers. Remember that whole thing about having to rule the clearing after the battle? Like, if you get surprised by an ambush or the rolls don't go your way or there's some kind of shenanigans, like maybe one of the higher You're starving to death and you have to eat one of your brothers. (laughs) (laughs) It's really great to have a card to just replace that and look at you rule the clearing again. Aren't the badgers, like, really desperate to put those cards in the retinue, though? Yeah. Like, like, I I mean, I love feline physicians and, and field hospitals are great, but they're not the card densest group well if you think about it jake if they were going to have to lose that card from their retinue anyway or they're missing out on a turn of tempo for that it might be worth the card yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay i don't think it's like an always do it kind of like corvid no, no. broken kind of moment no i'm talking cons- yeah but because uh, the corvids are also very card wealthy usually right. and like they have the, the cards to burn well one consideration i thought for this um hireling is if the warlord is going to be slain, uh, you can spend a card to save him, which is kind of nice. Oh, very nice. I think that works, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, it does. You're right, because it, it, he is considered a warrior. Right. And he, is... he can only be removed in battle, but if he is removed in battle, you could yeah. spend the card. Oh, but would it be moved outside the hundreds turn? Oh, but it would be removed and then placed. 
so it wouldn't actually get moved. Okay, never mind. Yeah, never yeah. Mind. We're I good. think it works. We're still good. It works. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, it's a great way to save the warlord from getting assassinated. <laughs> Super fun. Oh, and we didn't even talk about the the crazy um, equivalents here with ambushes. Oh, this is great. Yeah. This blew my mind when we were like working on this outline here. But essentially, if you are uh, the attacker in battle and your opponent plays an ambush, removing two warriors, that step happens before the rest of combat. So if you have any warriors left over, you can just immediately spend a card and generate those two (laughs) warriors in the same clearing. Yeah. So it's kind of like a counter ambush if you have a matching card. Right. It makes sense. They are they're medics, right? They're frontline medics. <laughs> right. Yeah, they and they are you very, very fast. Oh man, they are yeah, so their ambulances <laughs> ignore all traffic. They lights. can bring two people back to life between an ambush and a dice roll. That is how fast these cats are. Give Ooh. them an award. Yeah. Absolutely. Give them a raise. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um Great. We've talked about who this is very good for. Who does this help counter in the game? Like, if if I have it, who is this just a, a, a big problem for? I'm going to start our um, reigning on the parade moment here for the Lord of the Hundreds, because it just feels like every hireling counters Lord of the Hundreds. Yeah, well, especially any of them that put warriors on the board. And this one doesn't put warriors on the board, but it makes it really easy to save warriors from the board. And it's like, if you're in the middle of your advance, or you're spending one of your like other actions during your turn just trying to get rid of like one annoying cat warrior or something, uh, it wouldn't be a cat warrior, because feel feline physicians right. would be in the game but right. any other warrior they could just pop right back up there <laughs> for the cost of a card and then you just don't get that oppress point <laughs> you actually have if you're the rats and you're fighting let's say the crows you have to be very careful of the order you do things in if you're fighting warriors before you're fighting an undefended plot token they might be able to use feline physicians to pop up at that plot token and make that what used to be a free battle really difficult very painful. Yeah, taking out random crows also could help them regenerate on undefended plots that they could then flip. It's a whole mess. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, they're too good. It's it's uh it's very strong. So, should you rush to get feline physicians if it's in the flop and you see it, you get 4 points, should you should you grab it? If you have the cards, I guess, sure. I mean, yeah, generally they're quite good. Like you at least you have the option, Here's right? the thing though. If we're rushing for this one, we're going to have it yeah. for two turns max. And are those, it's the first two turns. Yeah. The one where you're going to need feline physicians. Well, all these, all these hirelings where it's like spend a card to do a thing. I'm like in the early game, I'm not going to rush for them. In a lot of those cases, the cards are probably more valuable to me mm-hmm. to get the engine building. Right. Yeah. The only faction that I can see trying to make a like wombo combo with this is, I mean, the Woodland Alliance wouldn't even have a base out. I think it's still kind of good for the Corvid's. Yes. No matter what. Yeah, if the, you're Corvid the Corvid should rush like, for it. Yeah. Go grab it. Yeah. I think that's good. It, it's pretty easy to score those points early anyway. Mm-hmm. But other than that, uh, to me, this is one that you inherit and it serves you better. Yeah. I think. Yeah, no one's going to give it to the crows. So the crows got to get it <laughs> no, themselves. No. Yeah. No, you got to keep that out of their hands for sure. Yeah. So yeah, if you're the crows, definitely rush it. Yeah. Because it might be the only time you have it the whole game. Mm-hmm. All right, so any interesting card interactions here with feline physicians? 
I thought of a couple. One was uh, in the base deck, there's Tax Collector, which lets you remove a warrior in order to draw a card. So you could basically just cycle a card in your hand for free and kind of redeploy one warrior to somewhere else on the map. Seems good. Seems decent. Um, Like a pretty free, just like move one warrior somewhere. Seems Mm kind of nice. I thought about favors a little bit. Like if somebody favors the board. um, Can you save them all with one card? think so i think so this, with field hospital can you this. save them all with one card i feel like you can't with field hospital i can't remember what the distinction is all so right, it, it here's field hospitals whenever any number of marquise warriors are removed from a clearing the marquise may spend a card matching that clearing to place those warriors in the clearing with the keep token instead of the marquise supply so that's clearing locked whereas the mm-hmm. hireling feline physicians is any number of your faction's warriors right so it's an instant. So all warriors removed in that moment, which is when the favor triggers, right? Ah, uh, here so it could, is. Yeah. Could... Matching their clearing. Oh, yeah. Matching their clearing. Yeah. I think you can save them all with one. You can. So, but they do all have to concentrate in one clearing with your pieces. So you need to, you know. Yeah, it's going to be a big else. redeploy. <laughs> it's one clearing <laughs> yeah. they're all going into, but at least they're alive. Yeah. I thought about Propaganda Bureau. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of defend against Propaganda Bureau a little bit if you wanted to. That's that's kind of like minor, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But, for example, if somebody's taken away your last defender from an important building or something mm-hmm. like that, you can kind of save the day. Mm-hmm. Eerie Emigre, I thought was interesting. If yeah. you have crafted Eerie Emigre and you have feline physicians, that means at the top of your turn, you can go on an adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go punch someone. See how it goes. Rescue those warriors and then place them to support your upcoming turn. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. It's like if you were going to use this ability, using it in Birdsong is like kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you have the, the most flexibility as to like having that redeployment kind of help your turn. Yeah. And then Coffin Makers. That's huge. You are saving them from going in the coffin. Yeah. that That could make a difference for sure. Especially if it's like coffins at a threshold for points you can kind of keep it on the low side mm-hmm. very nice all right cats get to do that with field hospitals too right they yeah. get to skip the step i wanted to point out one more uh, faction interaction i thought of which mm. is if you're the lord of the hundreds and you have feline physicians granted you're pretty card poor so this might not be the best right. investment of a card but as you do your big uh kind of advance push through the map if you've got, for example, like a mob token just like hanging out alone in a clearing um, with nothing else going on there, if you lose a warrior, you can just redeploy to that mob token, that mm-hmm. kind of unprotected mob token, to A, defend it, which is nice, uh, but B, potentially get some oppress points or like gain some control over that clearing. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's like your warlord can go in the direction that's important for checking the other players, and then whatever warriors kind of fall off as you're doing your multiple attacks... Uh, assuming you have the hand to support it, mm-hmm. could then like go back and do the oppressing. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Specifically <laughs> unspecific. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are we giving this as an overall score? What are we feeling on this one? What are we feeling? It's really good. It is yeah, really it, good. It's, it's good. It's 91 out of 100. Okay. All right, like that. Ninety-one out of a hundred. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that for feline physicians. Nice. Next up on the hirelings list, we have the Bluebird Nobles. Jake, 
Ah, the Bluebird Nobles. <clears throat> An ability for the controller. You rule clearings when tied for presence. Parentheses, like Lords of the Forest. Yeah. Then, in Birdsong, the controller scores one point for every three clearings they rule. And that is at the beginning of Birdsong. Beginning of Birdsong. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's bonus oppression, I guess, except oppression requires you to have no one in there, whereas you just have to have rule with these guys. Right. I mean, super nice. It's double oppress. It's, it's really double good. oppress. Yeah, which is nice. I mean, it, it's it's modest because it's one point for every three clearings, but that's basically what oppress is anyway. <laughs> yeah. So like, oppress is like one for every two, kind of. So yeah, it's uh it's pretty nice, and we know the the Lord of the, Lord of the Hundreds has a very kind of linear scoring trajectory. So any kind of guac points like this are going to go a long way for that faction specifically. Yeah. Um, and I think this is also kind of buffs the cats as well, right? I feel like this is sort mm-hmm. of the equivalent oh, of, like, yeah. if the cats control the tower in the pass. Yeah. To me, this is, like, kind of a similar situation. Because they're almost for sure going to rule three clearings no matter what. Oh, three clearing. Yeah, you're getting a drip of a point every turn, which, you know, over the course of the game, if you rush and take this turn one, I guess it's, like, six points. In an I feel like no one's going to rush for this, but the cats have a good option to do so. Yeah. Because they rule all these clearings at the outset for the most yeah. part. I I guess I'm like saying like you rule it for the whole game, but obviously you're going to have to give the hireling away after two turns max. After two turns, yeah. But but your cat, so it will come back to you. <laughs> I, I have a feeling it might. It really will. Um, yeah, and ruling for ties is very helpful for moving wood and say, building and all that. Cats is so. probably the faction where both the kind of static ability or the kind of um, global ability and the birdsong activated ability both kind of work very well to support yeah. the cat's goal. Right, yeah. We've got the Woodland Alliance on here, which is obviously not for scoring a point for every three clearings you rule. It's more just like helping get your toast across the board. Right. Absolutely. Helping to break out of um, any kind of like camping on your base, mm-hmm. for example. Um, and as the Woodland ju- Alliance, you know, you're probably not going to be scoring a crazy amount of points for a, a minute. Mm-hmm. So it is possible that this will like land in your lap because, you know, you're not going to be scoring any points from it, most likely. <laughs> I was just um, about to be like... If you craft soup kitchens, and then I see that somebody wrote in all caps, <laughs> it was me. Soup kitchens, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote it because you guys did it, and I was like, this is an opportunity to talk about soup kitchens. We get this once every 20 episodes. We should take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is true. really like the Mayan calendar of root here. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, if you got if you got the tokens out there, this is a, this is a good combo. It, it might be an extra point or two, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. That's, that's true. Good. I think this is one of the better usages of soup kitchens, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, it's... I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> one of the ones that won't get laughed at. <laughs> um, I'd still laugh, but mostly out of shock. Yeah. <laughs> um, but is this worth going for, like, right away? I say I say nay, but I think the cats are a fun exception, especially because of their ruling situation early on in the game. But I don't think it is because you kind of, generally speaking, you don't rule a lot of clearings to really make this worth it. You're going to have to give it away. So why rush? Right? I, if you're the cats, I totally see an argument. I think for basically every 
other faction maybe the rats is an exception i'll but... say badgers too might want to rush for it that early positioning could oh, be badgers really helpful is a good call. that's true getting those early recovers in does free you up to move about the country a little more freely <laughs> you are now free to move without the cabin <laughs> okay so besides soup kitchens though are there any other cards that do anything fun with this i guess royal claim yeah of course royal claim i mean you're a bluebird noble you have royal claim <laughs> uh royal claim for those who don't remember is uh, at the beginning of bird song you discard the card to score one point for every clearing you rule so okay yeah i mean it, think about this you know if you're the if you're the rats okay and you got six clearings okay you're gonna score six points from royal claim because you built four strongholds uh-huh. <laughs> six points yeah. from royal claim it's turn 11 <laughs> six points from royal claim you get two points from bluebird nobles okay we're yeah, already at totally. eight and then you're gonna oppress for three points that's 11 point turn well but if you crafted soup kitchens you might get that extra bonus clearing too i mean yeah 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 Again, it's turn 13. <laughs> Everyone else has gone home. <laughs> You're like, hold on, I'm about to craft, stand, and deliver. Uh, okay. All right. So we've said who it's good for, I think. Um, does this counter anybody? We were really struggling. Yeah, no, I don't think it does annoy anybody enough. I mean, I don't know, like the factions that need more time and this gives extra points to, but I feel like I'm really stretching there. There's no, it doesn't do anything to counter. It's mostly just a buff. Yeah. 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 Agreed. And a buff that helps factions that care about ruling clearings, particularly, and does basically nothing for everyone else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Vagabond does not need this. Yeah. Corvid's never cared. Yeah. Uh, Propaganda Bureau. This is kind of fun, right? So you could, if, if somebody has two warriors in a clearing... You could Propaganda Bureau one of those away, <laughs> and then good. you were tied for rule, so you rule it. So now you rule a clearing that you previously didn't have any pieces in. That's an amazing combo. Yeah, we're, we're stretching fun. for interactions, but yeah, that's fun. But I that's a it. good one. That's like a, it's just a one. That's it. Yeah. Granted, they have to be alone, right? There can't be other factions right, in right, there. Right. Well, but unless they only have one character or one uh, warrior, too. Yeah. But again, and if you've got soup kitchens, it could just be sympathy or true. <laughs> Each sympathy counts for two. Two propaganda bureau a token. Yeah. (laughs) All right, and then special teams. We're talking propaganda. You can't propaganda it. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sympathy is propaganda. That's what we're trying to say. Um, Special teams. We're talking dominance. Look at how what this does for (laughs) dominance. Okay. I know. Plus soup kitchens, like give me a break. <laughs> this does make uh, dominance like 0.5% more viable. Am I right? It totally yes. brings it up 5% a half. more. 5%? Yeah. Yeah. So it goes from 3 to 8% viable. Correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doubles the, its viability. That's um, right. It does do something for it. I think, especially if you're playing Lost City. And this, you might be able to get something going, you know? Maybe the tower. <laughs> if, you, if you're playing with the tower landmark, this could interact with that. Um, just make it easier to grab a point at the end of your turn. Mm. 
Interesting, yeah. You got that and two other clearings, and you're scoring one point at the beginning, one point at the end. Whoa. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Okay, what's our overall score of Bluebird Nobles? I'm going to give this one a, um, a 49 out of um, 98. Oh, that's not very good. <laughs> no, Every 49. rating is just out of the previous ratings number maximum. <laughs> 49 it's out a, of 91. It's, <laughs> it's a shrinking scale. <laughs> It's it's not nearly as good, right, as like straight up those physicians, but it's yeah. pretty cool. And it's passive points. That's I mean, who's gonna complain? I mean, passive points are are very nice. I just find that this one is like it it doesn't change the landscape too dramatically. Yeah. No, it's, it's it does. pretty like light. That's true. You know, that's true. All right, all right. Then let's move on to rabbit scouts, Jake. Rabbit Scouts. Their ability for their controller as the defender in battle before the roll, you may spend a card matching the battle clearing to use the higher roll and make the attacker use the lower roll. Parentheses, like Guerrilla Warfare. It's Guerrilla Warfare! <laughs> I mean, I've played with this. This one's awesome. It feels really powerful. I'm scared of it. Yeah, I feel like it's mainly a deterrent. It's a deterrent. How many Definitely times not. have you been like, I'm not going to attack the Woodland Alliance, and then you get to have that like fear of people attacking you? Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. And uh, the cost of a card is steep, so yes. you're probably not going to get too many of these in between turns. It only but works the for threat. one roll. Yeah. See, that's the thing, guys. I was a little skeptical about your excitement about it because as fun as it is, it is the cost of a card for one roll, and if the roll's a tie, it didn't matter. It's cool. It's still it's still great, but like it feels way more expensive. Yeah, it is gambling for sure, a little bit. Um I, I think it's it's one of those things where like it's a deterrent mostly, but you have to be a little choosy about where you're gonna do it so mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. players who are playing against rabbit scouts could maybe suss out like if i attack this random warrior probably not gonna have right you know someone's not gonna waste a card on trying to save them or whatever right but if you're going after you know a lizard garden or whatever like they're for sure gonna spend that card yeah that's the thing we were talking about who it's good for and i do think it is good for lizards i mean anything that says discard a card i'm like nope not for lizards um, but if it means keeping your gardens, it is worth it because you're going to lose the card anyway. So at it's least nice you don't have to deterrence. rebuild the infrastructure. So yeah, yeah. Uh, who else is this good for? Um, I thought that this was primarily best for um, corvids and river folk. Mm-hmm. Corvids, it's nice because uh, especially if it's a plot that's being attacked. Yeah. If it's a defended plot, like you can. There's a chance that you'll hang on to everything, mm-hmm. and you'll be dealing an extra hit anyway, so mm-hmm. it, the price is very steep. Yeah. Can... Um, and for the river folk, it's like, they have tons of cards, and they hate losing warriors. Uh, so this is a, a nice way to kind of protect that. All they have to do is commit a fund to draw a card, mm-hmm. right? So the the price here for the river folk is really just committing one warrior to redraw a card. Granted, you know, it has to match and all those things, but... yeah. It, that's essentially the price for them, and yeah, they would take that price any day if they could just commit a warrior to take the higher roll for something. Um, for sure, that's really good. Also, like the vagabond, 
Yeah, definitely. Like, when people are coming after the Vagabond, you being like, oh, all these cards I don't use? Uh, yeah, I'll discard one of these and then deal a bunch of damage to you on your turn. Oh, that's in- terrifying. Does infamy trigger or is that only on your turn? I think that's only It's on only turn. when you attack. That's right. That's but right. you would become hostile. Right. That's correct. Yeah. So all warrior deaths would count towards infamy. <laughs> terrifying. Um, after after that battle uh, where you are the attacker. But yeah, no, it, it's already a problem in games getting players interested in checking the Vagabond. And this just makes it even less palatable, right? Come even more bitter uh, to try and chew on. So, yeah, I, I think equipping this as the Vagabond, especially early in the game, is a super killer move. Who does this help counter? Because I feel like this one does, really, uh, help us counter some factions. As much as it um, helps the Vagabond, I also think this kind of counters the Vagabond a little bit as well. Just because it's like every battle... Um, really matters, especially in the kind of early-ish and mid-game. Um, so if you can kind of discourage the Vagabond from even sniffing around your warriors and tokens, that's actually a huge win. Uh, it gives you a chance to build up a little more, hopefully. Um, in a plain, very plain sense, the Lord of the Hundreds is very much opposed to losing additional forces in their rampaging battles. Yeah. And at the cost of a card, it's kind of nice to uh, make them think twice about risking their warlord, you know? Yeah, I'm going to say war, uh, warlord, birds, and badgers. Any people that must battle, mm, and I get that yeah. Lord of Hundreds, uh, their faction board doesn't say they must battle, but they must yeah. in order to oppress clearings. Yeah, that, so, that's their whole engine. Yeah, so. yeah. So all of those factions where it's like battle is their thing, they can't really get away with not doing it. Uh, this is going to be really impactful because they are not going to choose you. And again, you it's unlikely that players who have rapid scouts are going to be spending that card for just a random warrior. Right. So in the case of the warlord, for example, it means that they might kind of stick to the periphery, right? They might go munching on those clearings that are very lightly defended and kind of leave your core infrastructure alone, which is actually really great. Super nice. So, should we rush for it? I'm going to give this one a maybe. If you're Vagabond, I think there's a stronger case to be made. Mm-hmm. But for everybody else, this one will filter down eventually. Uh, this one's not a high priority for me. I feel like the same priority of feline physicians of like having that early advantage, but for a card, is kind of the same gamble, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that card you might need to use in early game engine building. Right. right. Yeah, uh, luckily, you know, Vagabond's not going to use those cards very much. And yeah, we've uh, said many times on this podcast, it's important to punch the Vagabond early. And it might seem really like a bad idea to do that if they have rabbit scouts. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, you'd be like, I'll just wait two turns until they get rid of it. <laughs> 100% I would wait two turns. I am not. And that could be the two turns they need to get fully online yeah. and get out of your territory maybe right? they, they're just collecting ruin items at that point i think they molds being too right uh, these factions that you really need to punch early uh it might be worth it for them to rush for this yeah dutchy might be able to get away with like building or something yeah 
It's, it's a consideration. That's maybe a combo to think about. And this is, could be the same with rabbit or with um, feline physicians as well. Like the, the duchy could consider a kind of combo mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they're building early and trying to just defend, you know, mm-hmm. like a turn one citadel type strategy or something. Right, right, right. Which okay. I don't think that's the best, but it, it's interesting. Or a market maybe to feed into the card wealth. Yeah. What about any card interactions here? The one that comes to mind here, and by comes to mind, I mean I'm reading it off the outline, is Partisans. <laughs> All right? Partisans is so good because you're going to discard the matching cards anyway. Oh, wait. No, you're not going to discard the matching no, cards. No, that would be the only ones you'd be hanging on to. Okay. But if you're going to do it with a bird card, you're going to lose the bird card anyway. Yeah. Um, so not only are you going to take the higher roll, but you're also going to deal an extra hit. That feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, you're you're pitching like your whole hand in order to use that, but I I think it's good. Could be mm-hmm. uh, could be useful in a, in a last ditch kind of defensive stance at least. That could be useful. Mm-hmm. Th- to me, Rabbit Scouts is perfect if you are trying to defend a position. Mm-hmm. If you have a clearing that is a place you really need to hold on to. Having Rabbit Scouts is excellent for kind of maintaining that control and that grip over, you know, that space that you need. Um, which is why I think this is also good for a, a faction like the Cats as well. Like, obviously, you would hate to give up a, a bird card for this. But, you know, if you have a matching card and you can hang on to a sawmill, like, absolutely, you want to do that. Yeah. I feel like the threat of this is as powerful as the ability. It, it maybe is uh propaganda a little bit right it's mm-hmm. it's psychological warfare <laughs> yeah we've already talked enough about the card cost but like just having this on here as that defending if you need to defend something and they're like ugh, he's also got that who wants to like it's bitter who wants to fight the alliance all the time yeah 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 also a card like armorers i mean ugh, jake was yeah. like worried like oh what if it's a tie you're you're gambling a card for a tie but if it's a tie and you've got armorers then you can just make it Two zero. You can make it three zero if you want. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, it's going to cost you your armors, but still, that is pretty powerful. Really, really defensive. Okay, uh, special but armors would that would be true if you didn't have rabbit scouts still, right? Uh, but you would take the lower roll if you were being right. attacked. I mean, if it was tied. Yeah. Oh, if it was tied, then it just is all the same. Yeah. So you're gambling a little bit right yeah yeah four out of 16 potential rolls would be ties sure 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 right refer to our dice math episode for more details (laughs) on dice math uh speaking of math uh i came up with this uh stupid scenario here okay if you are the corvid conspiracy and you have rabbit scouts and you have a face down plot token and you have crafted sappers okay Somebody attacks that clearing, you can ambush, use rabbit scouts, assuming there's a three on that dice, and you use sappers, and you get the free hit from the the face down plot. We're talking seven hits in defense. Yeah, that's not your turn. That is crazy. (laughs) You know, uh, I don't think that's gonna happen. (laughs) But hey, that's a that's an interesting thing that could potentially happen. Uh, we're giving All this right. one a 15 out of 22. This one's pretty <laughs> solid. That's pretty solid. solid. All right. So let's talk about our last demoted hireling, 
The Brigand. Yar. The Brigand. Once in daylight, the controller may take an item from a ruin in a clearing with their faction pieces. If they're Lord of the Hundreds, they put it in their hoard. If they took the last item from the ruin, remove the ruin. And again, once in daylight, the controller may exhaust an item in their crafted items box, not their hoard, notably, to take a random card from a player with faction pieces in the clearing with their faction pieces. Ooh, nice. You get to steal a card. Very cool. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So if the brigand is an available hireling, do you remove just one vagabond card or both of them? A faction can't be in the game if the hireling's faction is in the game. Okay, right? so there would only be multiple ruin items if Lord of the Hundreds was also in play. Yes. Yeah, got it. And, I mean, if you see the brigand in the flop at setup, I would definitely pick Lord of the Hundreds, right? No. Or Wait, what? You will not, and I will tell you why shortly. Okay. <laughs> well, let's start with who else this might be good for. I think this would be pretty good for a faction like the Cats, because opening up ruins gives you additional building slots. Yep. I thought about this because uh, one of the abilities is exhausting an item in your crafted items box to steal a card from a player that a faction like the lizards might enjoy yeah lizards having access good. to that ability mm-hmm. yeah i mean the uh, duchy during daylight uh, the duchy for sure they're gonna be crafting items all over the place and Absolutely. stealing cards yeah that's really good yeah and, and if badgers have a good card economy they could also make some of that happen as well oh yeah um, but Lord of the Hundreds gets additional items for the Horde. I mean, that seems pretty amazing. It is Double good. items. Yeah, yeah. It is good for the Lord of the Hundreds, for sure. But Okay, but who does this help counter? And I see here you've got Lord of the Hundreds yes. written. <laughs> yes. It looks like it's been written in crayon somehow. It's actually my blood. Com- it's- That's blood. My oh own my blood because of the game I played where the brigand was in there and I was Lord of the Hundreds. You bleed tickle me pink? How many <laughs> cards do you typically have in your hand as the Lord of the Hundreds? Yeah, between zero and one. <laughs> right. So you're talking about uh, if you don't have this ability, someone is able to steal 100% of your hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. It, it happened to me two turns in a row just because it was like, yeah, well, it's going to impact Sam's hand the most to use this yes. ability on. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, that's, in that that's way, rough. you have to be careful. Maybe don't overbuild or like keep an extra card just in just so it's not so tempting to steal your entire hand being one card. Right. If you are playing as Lord of the Hundreds and the Brigand is in the game, could you make the case to the table that they should maybe consider stealing from like the Badgers? Yeah, yeah, you probably could make that. Uh, I was not able to. But I think <laughs> I was playing with people, you know, it was it was a rowdy game. It wasn't like a tournament game. I imagine maybe in a tournament they wouldn't choose the Lord of the Hundreds unless they were in a great position or something. So, yeah. uh, but it is just it's really impactful, right? You want to use the abilities to get the most bang for your buck. So here's here's why I think you should go for it as Lord of the Hundreds. Yeah. And here's why you probably won't get it. Okay. Lord of the Hundreds is a slow scoring faction, so it's not usually one of the ones that's crossing those thresholds right away. Mm-hmm. If you have any possibility of doing so, I think you should try for it as Lord of the Hundreds because all you need to do with the Brigand is have a piece. 
some piece in a clearing with a ruin mm-hmm. in order to use that ability during daylight. Mm. So let's say you start your second turn with control of the brigand. You've somehow scored four, been the first player to score four points on your turn. <laughs> <laughs> you start your second round with the brigand. If you have a piece that can move during daylight to a clearing with a ruin token, you can just pick up another item for your horde, which could give you additional actions during daylight. Yeah. Pretty nice. It and is. if you're Lord of the Hundreds, there's multiple items under every ruin, meaning right. you get to pick and choose as well. So, like, whether you want it to be in your kind of command or prowess, whichever way. Yeah, okay, you're right, Kyle. That that option is good. Unfortunately, you can't take advantage of the second part, but that first part is so good uh, that... You know, taking the items from the ruins is so good that I would, yeah. If you can rush for it, you should, for many reasons. Absolutely. Uh, just try to get, like, try to get juiced up on items by your, like, third turn is just yeah. so, so good. And if you can plant a mob or whatever, like, you're getting those items twice as quick. Also, being the person who goes, who wants this? One condition, you can't steal my card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will give you no this to you if you promise to choose anyone else for that ability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, use yeah. it as a cudgel. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah, that's pretty good. Um, also, I love that this demoted hireling has two abilities, two like yeah. action abilities. That's the first time we've seen that. So. And the art is amazing. This <laughs> yeah, what is I this like a this, weasel like, or little weasel with red eyes? <laughs> Yeah, he's just got a chest. <laughs> a just... teeny tiny chest, and he's like... <laughs> Even the Vagabond won't work with him. Oh, no, not this guy. <laughs> this guy is long gone. All right, uh, we've made the case for rushing it. How about any interesting card interactions with this one? Um. Okay, so you're not Lord of the Hundreds. You're any other faction. I think there's an interesting card interaction with Swap Meat. And this seems pretty doable as well. If you have an uh, an item in your crafted items box and you activate swap meet you can swap out a card from your hand see what somebody else has and if it's something like something uh if it's a faction like the river folk you can just immediately attempt to steal one of their good cards again it just gives you an extra chance to kind of like sift through somebody else's hand um kind of like gaining two or like one and a half bits of card advantage i don't know what like metric you would use for that but you know a card and a half let's say Mm -hmm. a card advantage on one opponent could be nice yep you wrote league of adventurous mice yeah so you can grab items from ruins right no matter what faction you are Mm -hmm. and if you've crafted league of adventurous mice uh you can then use those items to steal a card yeah to move or to battle that's pretty awesome yeah that is good yep you're right i at first was like we're already exhausting our items we'll have none left but i forgot the first part gives you more items so yeah that that is yeah Ooh, i like the brigand i think it's fun uh last one of course is stand and deliver (laughs) right yeah we're talking (laughs) of course double steal here okay and it's going to be even more possible to craft stand and deliver when you're getting rid of those extra building slots right you just camp out on a mouse clearing you take three turns to build three workshops in a mouse clearing you're at four points total or i guess like (laughs) six because you do get points for building those so you get six points it's turn five uh and then you're finally able to steal two cards 
in one Hell turn. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's two whole bits of card advantage. <laughs> All it cost you uh... was the game. All right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's our overall rating for the Brigand? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a uh, 3.7 out of 9. Mmm. It seems low, but it isn't as good as Rabbit Scout's. Or feline physicians, for sure. Okay, maybe it's a 4.7 out of 9. Because okay. I think it's a, above half. It's above I mean, half. it is just taking a random card, right? Like, that is nice. You were just saying how important cards were. I think card advantage is important. Do you like However, cards or do you not like cards, Jake? <laughs> I. It's hard to both... <laughs> it's hard to both give a positive feeling about this having cards which i do but also rate it on a scale of nine uh you know i just feel like when we're comparing right yeah. to other things on a scale of nine there's so many like run around and, and uh score points kind of thing it's like a random card is a random card mm-hmm. but i think you guys have pointed out the advantage of like take it from somebody it, it, it's it's taking some from someone's hand which is a doubly beneficial mm-hmm. it's, it's a zero-sum kind of card right. steal for sure right the thing is is it's like this really depends on your positioning like do you have pieces in a clearing with ruins like it's yeah. definitely possible to do that during daylight for sure most factions would find it somewhat easy i think yeah at least um, one of the ruins right but like once the items are gone in conceivably in the first like four turns then you better have crafted some items, right? Because <laughs> otherwise, you're not going to be able to use this card. Right. right. So I think it's time is kind of early in the game, and it's a little bit of a slow burn. Uh, but this does a little bit of chip damage to your opponent's hand. Yeah. And so <laughs> for that, I think it's like a 3.7 out of 9. Yeah. Good All against right. duchy, lizards, badgers, the card yeah. ones. Yeah. All right. And that's it. Those are all... The demoted hirelings in Group A. And oh my gosh, it is a competitive group already. And we haven't even seen what they're capable of. Personally, am astonished and amazed that one of these, just one of these demoted hirelings took the percent chance of dominance from 3 to 8%. I mean, come on. That's just <laughs> science, people. Uh, there's a lot in here. I actually think that this group of hirelings is, is the group of death. Okay, in the World Cup, when the groups get doled out and you look at a group and you're like, whoa, there's actually too many good teams for that group. Like, I can't believe not all of them are getting through to the next round. I think this is the group of death. This is pretty competitive for sure. Yeah. It's crazy that like some groups are demoted and others are promoted and we're so hyped about the demoted side. No, no, no. (laughs) This is still group A. Group A is still promoted, demoted. That's what I'm... But this is... Group A part one is this episode. Right, they're all the, but it's yeah. all the demote. Oh, it's group A part one. Yeah. Come on, this isn't hard, guys. You, so we're not going to pick one from this. We're picking one from... Right. We're, we're we will be pairings. picking who goes all forward right, on the that. next right. episode. I understand now. You mean on the next episode? On the next episode. If you say it with more emphasis, it means further along. <laughs> the right? next, the next, next Oh, sorry. That was episode. too many episodes in the future. Sorry. Oh, yeah. The that's next what you do. We're only doing 100 episodes, Sam. Oh, don't, no. Don't put oh, that no. much emphasis on it. <laughs> Does anyone uh, feel like there's a strong leader for this group so far? Like, is it who's, who's hot? Who's the dark horse? Yeah, who's in trending? The f- who came out? Who had the best first half? 
The physicians, yeah. I think, are kind of jaw-dropping. Yeah. When I all of good. your warriors are removed in one action, you can bring them back anywhere? Ugh, anywhere that's, you got pizza. No, one, yeah, that's... no one's comparing to that. I, yeah, I, for me, for me, first half rankings go feline physicians, rabbit scouts, brigands, uh, nobles. Et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Brigands, nobles. I'll take brigand yeah. nobles in any order. Nobles, brigands, yeah, I don't care. I, I do think nobles is at the bottom tier. Oh, it's kind of a toss-up between feline physicians and rabbit scouts for me. Because I think rabbit scouts is a stronger deterrent, but I think feline physicians is a better ability. It's rabbit really scouts good. is such a stronger deterrent, but rabbit scouts is still a roll of the dice. It is a feline physicians is back to life. Right. You yeah. get to see what happens after the die get rolled and make your decision. There you go. That's yeah. Right. That's a really good so point. So we know that uh, there's one team that had zero injuries in the first half, or like the injuries they did have, like did not matter. They just came right <laughs> back on the field. They're coming back in for <laughs> the half number two, and that is feline physicians topping it out for group A. Well, just in the, the first half. half. I mean, just in the first half. Just, just in part one, group A, part one. <laughs> because we are not making a determination on the full of group A. I know Bluebird Nobles <laughs> didn't impress, but we know that the promoted side is going to bring That's the true. heat. They're so. a second half team. They're yeah, a second they're half a second team. Half team yeah <laughs> okay so in group a yeah uh team one plays in the first half of the game and then team two plays the second half of each game is that correct <laughs> these well, the all coach played against each other in the, in the first half oh yeah, right yeah. it was a battle royale right 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 <laughs> okay you know how in the world cup when four teams take the field <laughs> <laughs> Like Man, that. it was crazy when the um, Chilean team all got ambushed. <laughs> it's yeah. really wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In the parking lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that, that makes sense because they did not qualify, so they would only be in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's four teams and 91 soccer balls. <laughs> I've always said, you know, it, soccer has a problem with overtime, right? Because it's like an endurance sport. Like, there's yeah. only so much extra time you can add on. Yes. Um, and then it goes to penalty kicks, which is just like a weird mini game that kind of has nothing to do with the rest of soccer, which is a lot of running, right? True. But everyone's real tired by that point. So, like, exactly. I totally you can't got run. a penalty so kick. So, here's yeah. what I'm proposing. Okay. After 90 minutes, you add a second ball. And then every <laughs> 10 minutes after that, you just add another ball. It's like pinball soccer. Like, you just keep yeah. chucking them in. Yeah, and then just hope that nobody crafts soup kitchens because then the balls start attacking. Like they... <laughs> right, yeah. And then they start contributing to rule and no one needs that. No one needs <laughs> They all that. get whistles. Yeah. Cat doctors come onto the field. I'm just thinking uh, soccer is, a, <laughs> is such a dual polarity sport at its very core that making it four teams is just <laughs> totally bananas. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's form an alliance <laughs> yeah, the other two alliance. teams uh, um yeah <laughs> well i hope when you're all watching the world cup and you're trying to figure out which team that you want to support you don't choose any of them and you just start supporting the idea of support and start chanting
It's 91 out of 100. Okay. All right. Like that. 91 out of 100. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that for feline physicians. Nice. All right. Nice prime number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 91. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up. We- oh, wait. No. It's divisible by seven. Sorry. Uh-oh. Divisible Sorry. <laughs> the, robo- the robot just almost had a, hit- <laughs> had a breakdown. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Thank God we solved that. <sighs> it's divisible by seven. Is I would have really? retired immediately. Yeah, it's 13 times 7 is 91. 49 plus 49 is 198. Or 98 minus 7 49 is 91. 49. Yeah. Wait, what did you just do? I knew 49 <laughs> was 7 times 7. So I okay. And I knew if I added 49 and 49 together, I'd get close. And so then I could just <laughs> subtract or add. Uh, and I did in increments of seven. Right, yeah. I got to ninety-eight, and then I was like, minus seven is ninety-one. So that's how I got there. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm really fast at arithmetic, Jake. See, what I did was I did seven times ten is seventy plus you know 21. another multiple of seven is twenty-one. Yeah, right? that makes sense too. Too slow. <laughs> too slow. <laughs> Should have done forty-nine twice and figured out how many iterations of seven it was away from how close you were. Sorry, I learned the new math. 